Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, Lincoln, it is finally November. Today is November 1st. I'm your host, Jack Riggins. This is Drive Time Lincoln. Johnny Cadillac is back in studio producing the show. Welcome back, Johnny. Um, should I tell the audience what happened? Go for it. Johnny Johnny was traveling back from his vacation in Iowa and... In Chicago. Well, yes, but you were in Iowa. Correct. Yeah. Yes, he was in Chicago. I didn't want to give the location in case you had like a anti-CIA tracker. Oh, okay, fair you, enough. You know, but okay, so he was in Chicago. He was coming back through Iowa. We Many of us made that drive and... He was in the back seat resting, and the other driver in Johnny's car pegged a deer, folks. So we're happy that he's alive. The car made it. Everybody's safe. Everybody's alive. Airbags deployed. But quite a catastrophe. And the good thing is, you're like, yeah, but I showed up for work. You're here. Yeah. All good. I, I got home last night, and I've never been so happy to just be home. <laughs> yeah. But, and, uh, and I'll tell you what, and it's not going to put a dent in... uh caddy chat wrestling talk podcast oh i'm sure (laughs) no no it'll be a great story for your next podcast yep thank you (laughs) absolutely all right it's tuesday like i said 77 feels like 77 wins 13 out of the south primarily south southwest a little little bit of west there i don't want to get into degrees and asthmas for everybody we'll confuse you we'll just call it the south um Really excited today. Uh, we're going to talk to another candidate here in the local area, the Norris School District. Uh, but first, I do have to say, I've been doing quite a bit of investigation on the homeless issues and the difference of what has just been growing here in Lincoln and downtown and all around. And I do have to say, when the homeless in your community basically sets a fire under a bridge down in Antelope Parkway, and it causes structural damage, that's a problem. Okay? That's a problem. So if I went down there and did it, folks, um, something's happening to me. I'm getting a citation. I might be getting a disturbing the peace. I may be paying restitution to the city for that bridge I've damaged. Uh, But clearly, in Lincoln, we're not doing that. I don't know why. I'm not against the homeless. These are people that need help. We have lots of programs. We, as a city, need to facilitate that happening instead of them laying on sidewalks, making business and people that rent, you know, have awkward, uncomfortable situations, you know, day after day after day, like I reported last week downtown, and or sitting under bridges where, you know, in the last six months, they tried to stab somebody right in Antelope Parkway, which is a beautiful part of our city, and now... You know, they've burned part of the structure. And I say they because I don't know who these people are. They're just homeless. Yes, they need help. And yes, the city has the power to do that. Now, Mayor, I understand these people have dignity. I get it. But that doesn't mean just because you have dignity, you can break the law and, you know, cause low, silly things like burning a bridge down, literally, to impact the rest of us. So, Mayor. LGB, get on it. Just get on it. The police are professional. They know how to handle these things. Send them down there. Start vectoring these people kindly, gently to help so that they are not homeless anymore because nobody wants to be homeless. Anyway, oh, homeless. Just another day in the life of Lincoln, Nebraska's backslide. Ah, But down in Norris, 
Um, they have Justin Drahota running for school board of the Norris District. Welcome to Drive Time Lincoln. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Uh, what got you in and interested into running for school board? So I got interested about oh, 16, 15, 16 months ago during some of the, uh, well, it was, it was when our school board uh, voted to mask our children. And that came before a DHM. Um, there's a lot of confusion on that. Some people were thinking that, the, that they just followed the DHM. That, that's not correct. Um, they implemented a, a mass mandate on our uh, students, and so a lot of people got involved, myself included. Interesting. We've had, a lot, we've had several people on shows from other smaller communities outside of Lincoln that that exact same thing happened in their schools, and it really um, caused a lot of parents to start taking a deeper look at things. It sure did. And uh, so what I did is I just did what everybody else was doing. I, I started going to these school board meetings, um, and... Basically speaking, you know, I would sit down and I would think of what do I want to say? How do I want to convey how I feel about what's going on here and how I don't think that, that it's right? And so that's what I did. And I started going to these meetings and speaking about it. And uh, w- along the way, I met several good people that, are, that have gone to these uh, meetings and uh, have brought up several different other things that, have, that, that are going on um, and, and just concerns and issues like that. So sat down, took a good look at the school board, who they are, um, you know, how long they've been there, what the makeup is, um, kind of how the school board runs. Just started learning everything basically on my own. Just a crack, you know, I just went into it and started learning uh, about our district policies, our administration, and, and how the school board functions and runs. And uh, come to find out that, uh, you know, we had uh, in, in the uh, wards two and four race, we had uh, two members on the board that have been there for 30 years. Um, also found out that there's only uh, one uh parent on the board parent to a uh that has children yeah that has children in the district uh the other five do not um so you know i just started talking with some people we've got to do something we have got to put up you know some candidates uh some or some parents you know because when you have parents on the board they're more accountable to you you know and a lot of the things we were asking of the board and, and and saying and some of the concerns that we had they just weren't getting answered there was just we were just being directly ignored a lot of the times and i think that was just because the issues are divisive, and it's hard to address divisive issues, and, and I get that. But um, the best thing to do is hit it head on. You know, yeah. talk to the parents, uh, understand what's going on. But you know, for the most part, just kind of didn't get any response back from from our board members. Uh, well, you're not supposed to ask questions, no. and specifically, clearly across America, to school boards. Um, now, my guess is is that. Um, one, fresh ideas is always good. Number two, if you have uh, loved ones involved in the school process, you're more apt to stay on top of it. Uh, you're more apt to uh, follow what's exactly being taught. And as we've seen through COVID, uh, that kind of became a big thing for all parents who might have just kind of been on autopilot. And and so you decided, you know what? I'm not just going to come here on talk. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to run. And so you're running. Um, what would you say – are your major platform issues so the, or items that you yeah, care about? Well, so one of the, the, the main thing that I um, am running for is that I, I want uh, parent representation on the board. Mm-hmm. So I've got myself and we've got a, a Ward Ford candidate. His name is Aaron Wubbles. He's running uh, as well. Let's get uh, Aaron on here. We will get Aaron on here. Um, we're both parents to children in the district, so that, that matters. To me, that matters a lot because I want to be able to uh, address uh, – parents you know and, and be able to provide answers and take criticism i mean that's one sure. of the parts of the being a board member you have to be able to take criticism and i get that and, and i know that it, you know 
criticism is warranted in some areas, maybe some areas it's not. But the things that I basically just looked at is, is okay, what else do we have that's going on or that we need fixed in our schools? Well, the whole uh, the, the library book situation came up where we discovered, a uh, parent discovered a, a very graphic book, uh, which was the, the 2021 most challenged book in the nation. Uh, it was Gender Queer, which was in the Norse Library, unfortunately. That was removed at a school board meeting by our then uh, superintendent, which we appreciated. But we asked for accountability, myself included, spoke several times to the board, passed out questions, you know, because they're not supposed to answer questions at the board meetings. I get that. You know, they're moving business along, but uh, have emailed and asked questions about, uh, okay, where's the accountability? What's going on? What else is in here? You know, we're finding other things that that are just age-inappropriate, sexually graphic stuff. So that was another issue that I took up that we need to do something where where we can fix this. You know, we're we're not book banners or you know whatever you want to call it. We're just we're concerned that our children are being exposed to inappropriate things. Well, and again, folks, this is one of those divisive issues. I got caught up right in the middle of it as well. Um, we're talking about age appropriate, and again, this isn't about the LGBTQ community. It's about age appropriate sexual material in the schools. Norris, in fact, did have. That book, Gender Queer, uh, they did remove it. Um, but contrary to other major newspapers who say those books are not in the Nebraska schools, they are in Nebraska schools, and there's many, many others. I could give you a list. Um, but again, doesn't matter You know whether it's homosexual, whether it's other, whether it's heterosexual sex. Uh, we're talking about age-appropriate materials that our kids have access to. That would fire up most parents that looked at it honestly. You know, without a doubt. And I suspect there are other things, um, you know, the hot button issues, whether it be critical race theory and board decisions on that, sex health, as we've kind of discussed. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the other things that I had looked at. Uh, that was one of my platform issues is that um, I didn't think that the comprehensive sexual education, which is different from regular sex ed that we are used to, you know, right. when we went to school in Birds the 90s. and the bees. Exactly. But the, uh, the, but the way that the, the uh, comprehensive sexual education standards were written by the State Board of Education uh, a year and a half ago. That was very concerning. It was a hot topic item. We, well, clearly there was a bunch of people in our community that said, we do not want that being pushed into our schools. Okay. Like I said, that doesn't mean that we didn't want sex ed. It just means that comp- from the comprehensive standpoint of what they wrote, and they tabled those and they shelved them, and they're still shelved right now. But, uh, and the other thing that we have to uh, point out. For but sure, you have a fear. It sounds like the Norris community has a fear that without the right board representation, if the state were to go ahead and pass that, then Norris would be whoop. Sure. And that's what I wanted to touch on is that uh, just so that people understand the, the uh, State Board of Education standards uh, for, for comprehensive sexual education. That is not something that's mandated on school districts. It's something that the board wanted mandated on the school districts, as we know now. But what happens is they they write these standards and they push them out to the districts and basically saying, here, your board is free to adopt these if you want to. From my standpoint, if that landed on our table and I'm a board member, I would say absolutely not because this is why. And go from there. So that's one thing that, uh, you know, if you have board members on there that care about that stuff, that will dive into it, that will read through it, and that will understand the implications and the impact of it, that's what we need. I don't think, in my opinion right now, we have a couple of those board members that would do that. Yeah, they, it's kind of one of these things. Uh, we've seen this in very progressive, almost national topics where a think tank, if you will, state board bigger than local boards, um, and then in the case of like the Democratic Party, think tanks nationally come up with an idea, they come up with the policies, they come up with everything, and then they just kind of give it to you on a platter at the local level and say a mayor like uh, the one here in Lincoln then institutes that climate change, uh, immigrant policies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of the dynamic that state board sort of 
provides a role. And I know there's a big fight up there between conservatives and Democrats as well. But uh, what are you looking uh, forward to the most in, in this last run up, you know, to the vote? So I within the last, you know, I've so this has been about a year that I've been involved in this and I was in, involved in a primary with four candidates, candidates, and from what I understand, it's the first time in many years, if you know, the thirty years that these two board members have been on, that we're challenging, have actually been challenged, and so that piqued a lot of interest in the public. And and we've been out, uh, you know, knocking on doors. We've been talking to people. We've hold, we've held several different meet and greet activities or uh, events, and just basically getting out there with our Facebook page, our website. And we've been connecting with uh, community members, good uh, community members that that are asking quite good questions, you know, and, and most importantly, good parents as well, you know. Yeah. And and so we're connecting with parents, staff, administration, te- the teachers, students have conversations with all of them, and, and you know, and that's my biggest thing that I want is to be able to to respond to people that have you know complaints and and, and uh, questions. I think as a board member. You that is your duty. You're an elected official. Mm-hmm. You need to uh, reach out to your constituents and you need to answer those questions. You need to answer those emails and those phone calls. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Where can people find the best information on you? So you can go to my website. It's justin4norris.com. That's J-U-S-T-I-N, the number four, norris.com. I also have a Facebook. If you just look Justin Drahota for, for Norris School Board, you'll find me there. Um, I usually post all of our you know stuff that's going on. I know we have a week till the election, so it's almost here. We're excited. Uh, we think we have a good shot. Uh, we're the underdog, but we, you know, we we won the primary pretty pretty good uh, by a pretty good margin. So I think that uh, hopefully we can get everybody out to vote, and that's the main thing is that we've been connecting with people. Like it is so important for you to vote. You know, this is the future of, of our school and our and our children. Now, I will say with that, Norse is a great school district, and it's a great community, great rural community, and and we get lots of people that moving into the district just because they like you know they they hear so many good things about Norse, and that's true. We want to make sure that, that we keep it great and uh, that we keep some of this bad stuff out of our schools and out of our children's minds. Yeah, Justin Drahota running for uh, school board in the Norris District. You know, Justin, I think that in the smaller communities, as you said, I think Norris is state-renowned for its schools, its community, um, just the way the children are raised as a whole. And it, it sounds like you want to keep it that way and you want to make sure, you know, radical or crazy national type things just don't push themselves in without some checks and balances and that's that's what you and others are are wanting to do folks i i'd highly suggest if you're in that area that you get a chance to reach out and talk to justin like he said um this is ushering in a new way of doing business where peers of you are you know champion as an elected official your concerns in these systems in this case the school board um I just don't know. There's very few things that 30 years of doing it uh, makes you better. You get stale. Simple as that. You can't get out of touch. You get out of touch. KLN, 1499.3. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. Folks, uh, we just had Justin Drahota running for school board of the Norris School District on. If you're out there, uh, check him out. Sounds like uh, he's part of a growing group of not only conservative, but candidates that have volunteered after kind of seeing all the different things going on nationally, state, local with the schools, um, with regard to some of the education, some of the transparency, some of the 
responsiveness to different issues, um, and certainly uh, the way Justin presented himself as conservative in nature and common sense. Uh, can't imagine down in Norris that uh, he would be nothing but a good candidate for for you folks. Um, but you seem to see this common narrative. It doesn't matter if it's like Norris or it's out west or it's here in Lincoln or it's even the state that a lot of the people on the education boards have been there a long, long, long time. And, um, you know, elected offices, all of them are supposed to turn over for a lot of different reasons. Um, So make sure you check that out. Second segment, we're going to spend time on Twitter. Um, Kind of break down Elon Musk's timeline, how it happened, what it means to you, what it means to us around here, what it means to the national psyche as it's getting a lot of traction um, now that he has officially bought Twitter. Um, and it's it's interesting, you know, certainly if you're 60 years and below and if you're a user of Twitter, you should be paying attention. Uh, this year more than ever, families in Lincoln need your help. To have a warm holiday meal, please join us for the Salvation Army annual turkey drive on Friday, November 4th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at two convenient high V lo- locations, Williamsburg and 70th of Pioneers, 1,499.3-KLIM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Drive Time Lincoln with the Commander Jack Riggins on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. All right, folks, it is uh, Twitter Tuesday here on Drive Time Lincoln, and Johnny Cadillac and I, Jack Riggins, have been scouring the Twitter archives to find one that is worthy. But we're not quite there yet, so you're going to have to hang on during the show. Um, before we announce today's winner, there's just so much movement on Twitter. Uh, phone lines open, Rick's Nine Recognition Hotline 402-479-1400. Text line's been buzzing all day. I've got some different thoughts there uh, before I get to talking about Elon and Twitter in particular, just so we're on a level playing field with the timeline. Uh, one of the things on the Rick Stein Recognition uh, text line from Cheryl. Um, Yes, she's been wondering the same thing about the homeless population in Lincoln, saying it's hard to ignore and difficult to talk about without looking heartless. Um, She works at UNL, and student workers commented on the increasing number of homeless hanging out in the union, the city union. Um, And I suspect, you know, with Antelope Parkway 
uh, being closed down a, a bit for traffic coming in and out of Husker games uh, recently, as well as the fire that I talked about uh, a few weeks back that caused some structural damage in a part of the city that, you know, since I went to college down there has totally been built, right? That was all just really shoddy housing that all of us rented. Most students, you know, either live north of campus or just east of campus there, um, you know, really between Vine and O. And, you know, what they did is they came in and did a great job with the whole Antelope Valley um, kind of rebuild there. Um, it's just beautiful these days. Uh, but at the same time, you know, an area transited by, you know, a lot of young people and students, as well as I'm sure joggers and bikers. Um, yeah, not so good to have a homeless population that has attacked people. Um, you know, we do have somebody that's been arrested. We've had some stabbings out of that population and, you know, burning the bridge. And it seems like, at least philosophically, uh, we meaning the city government doesn't want to do anything about it. And that's unfortunate. You know, now we have businesses essentially becoming, you know, storefronts becoming homes. And again, nobody wants to do anything about it. Um, that's just sad. Um, again, we we have the money. We have the institutions. Uh, we need the mayor to take this seriously and to, you know, instruct the police to with kind hands and, you know, professionalism, vector these folks to help. Because I'm sure, you know, that if I legally was, you know, packing my firearms and standing on those street corners day after day in my body armor and my weapons, um, I, I think I would be removed. <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I think I would be, you know, just because, well, it, it looks threatening, even though it's not threatening. I mean, so... We've got to get these people help. Um, before I get to Elon, magic moments. Be part of something special this holiday season by making magic happen for a neighbor, a friend, family member in need of some extra cheer. Nominate them for Magic Moments program with Union Bank and Trust and KLIN. There are so many in our community who deserve to be highlighted. Help us make this holiday season unforgettable. For someone you know by submitting your nomination online or pick up a nomination form at any Lincoln Union Bank and Trust location. Find the nomination form and all the details about Magic Moments online at KLIN.com. All right, folks. So, again, my opinion, my analysis. If you don't like it when I get on these rants, it's time to turn off the radio. No, don't do that. Don't turn off the radio. You might. Like it, you might hate it. Stay tuned in. We're talking Twitter, Elon Musk, and the saga that is never-ending. All right. Twitter as it were, right? Much like Facebook, it can be argued, I think, both legally and at least society-wise, that these are public spaces. Now, we all know in this digital age, none of us go through and read all the terms you, you don't do it hardly anymore for your bank. You don't do it for your mortgages. You don't do it every time you click on an app from the iStore or Android. You just don't do it. We've gotten numb to it. So in the end, the terms and services that we all click on when we choose to use those apps probably does have a disclaimer in there that it's not a public space. But 
the realities of those two platforms and this one in particular over, say, the last eight years is that Twitter had become a public space. Okay, and in that public space, we are all familiar with um, our constitutional rights. Okay, so the right to free speech. Now, that doesn't mean, right, that, you know, people are going off, you know, planning murders and all that type stuff on these platforms. Certainly, there needs to be some kind of adult supervision. However, over the last couple of years, I think definitively it has been shown that these organizations, both Facebook and Twitter, began to censor people of one political ideology more than the other. They began to censor people and news and information that was counter to a very progressive left-leaning America. And that began to upset a lot of people, obviously. They censored the former president. And as time would go on in the last two years, uh, we have discovered, and if not outright seen, our government uh, work with entities like Twitter and Facebook um, to... Censor more information, whether it be on the border, whether that be your opinion on the president, COVID, we can go on and on and on. So the key argument for America, right, is, is it a public space or isn't it a public space? And Twitter, through their terms of agreement over the years, has basically been able to say, no, it's not. We can censor what we want. So Elon Musk, who is a self-proclaimed at least a year ago, a Democrat, really, independent but Democrat, progressive-leaning, he started making waves because he basically said, like a lot of Democrats, I didn't leave the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party left me. And he has shown many tweets where uh, the party has gone far left. And for whatever reason, he has gone on record as the world's richest human being and saying that one of the biggest problems... That we have um, really two is, um, you know, we need to continue population growth. And number two, and in here in America, excuse me, uh, we need to be able to have free speech and we need to be able to, you know, have competing ideas. And so he early in the year, March time frame, he began to tease about buying Twitter. And in fact, that started a Twitter war itself with Twitter executives and things like this. And so in the end, he went ahead and put together a package to buy a majority stake in Twitter, which was about 9.2% for $44 billion. And as he was going through this buy, what essentially happened was he forced Twitter in their fiduciary responsibility to accept his offer because he was buying it at much, much more money than it was valued. And so for Twitter's current investors, they had to accept his offer, even though he said, hey, I'm going to bring about a bunch of change and make it more of a free platform, a free thought, competing ideas back to that original public square idea. And so this played out over the last couple of months where once he bought it, you know, they gave him a immediate place on the board and, you know, talked about even though, you know, he sees it differently, they look forward to his ideas. Well, then he rejected the seat on the board and his bid 
got into some trouble because he had as part of that the analysis that to see how many real people were on Twitter. And when they went through that analysis, Twitter could not prove to him that many of their users weren't bots or machines, fake accounts, you know, these things that can sway opinion, if you will. So, um, you know, then it looked like it was off the table. Then, you know, Twitter was going to sue him. Long story short, in the end of the day, he says, all right, I'll just buy it. Like on the last possible day before he could get in some trouble with the government, he goes ahead and buys it. That was this week, early this week or late last week. And he fires everybody that was a CEO in the executive level. He's firing all the content managers, meaning the people that are turning people like me off, you, anybody that has a hard conservative opinion. And that's where we stand today. So he tweets out, basically, the bird is free. And now, interesting enough, right away on the platform, you begin to see all kinds of other information coming out on stories like Paul Pelosi, on stories like voting, on stories like election integrity. And this goes on and on and on. So the question is, is this a good thing? I think it's a wonderful thing. Right, Because if Twitter has become the town square, which it has, and there are other platforms that do as well, you'll hear a lot of conservatives talk about a parallel economy, you know, not just money, but true social, and, and a different way to essentially have free speech back to the Constitution of America. But Elon Musk, at least at this moment, has done that with Twitter. He has pulled Twitter into a mechanism of which it rightfully should be, not one that can be hijacked by any political party, but one that open ideas and cross-flow of information from major news networks to you and I on the ground with opinions, uh, we can just share ideas, and then that can link us to other ideas, and we go, look, just like a conversation, folks, which I'm always talking about, we got to have conversations and get to the root of issues. And you can't do that if one side or multiple sides of arguments are being censored. And that's exactly what Twitter was doing. Facebook is notorious for it. And so, really, uh, we can all thank Elon Musk for opening Twitter at this point, And I'm sure it will continue to, because he wants to make it a successful business. Uh, that's why he purchased it. Not just the ideas that I'm talking about, again, my opinion, but for a lot of you, there'll be no impact. For others that follow politics and controversial ideas, it's a huge impact because you won't be censored. Um, he's began fact-checking the president of the United States, right? So when political people are out talking about narrative, uh, they're actually showing the facts, Opposed to the narrative. These are good things for us. And so it's interesting that people are mad about that. It's interesting that people are leaving Twitter because the man de weaponized Twitter and just made it a public space. And that is something that I thank him for. I hope that all of you will enjoy it and uh, just know that it's really not that big of a deal. 
But it is a big deal when people are being censored in America and the richest man in the world stepped in and said, you know, I'm going to do something about it. And there you go. That's what Elon Musk did for basically us and the world. It's probably affecting us the most, uh, meaning here in America. Oh, all right. Johnny, I got to set this up. Johnny has given me the tweet of the day. So the tweet of the day comes from, I haven't even read it, Johnny, but I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> so don't get me in trouble. The tweet of the day comes from Matt Hardy, at Matt Hardy. Clearly a wrestler. At Matt Hardy brand. And oh, yes, oh, a wrestler. At Matt Hardy brand. Thank you, Johnny. All right, here we go. Here's what Matt has to say. And this is the winner, even though I haven't even read it. Just because Johnny got hit by a tear two days ago and he's alive. Thank God. Here we go. I'm blown away that politicians still completely change their stance on an issue in hopes of gaining votes. It happens. When they've said the complete opposite, and it's been documented, pick your position and stick with it. You're insulting the voters, and the hypocrisy will only hurt you. Oh, Matt Hardy. Very wise words. Very, very wise words. Yes, um, you know, I don't see that as much lately. It depends on who you're following um, political-wise. But I do think that Matt brings up a great point that we have way too many people running for office, way too many people in office that can't take a position and stand behind it and argue it and just stay with it. They maneuver like water. They're like Bruce Lee with water. You know, be water. It's unstoppable. They, just for the votes. No. Pick your position. Stay behind them. And represent the people that you've been elected to represent. It's really not about you in an elected position. Although it seems these days it's gotten that way. Um, so Matt Hardy, ding, 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 winner of the tweet of the day here on Drive Time Lincoln. At Matt Hardy Brand. Go check him out. Uh, wrestler. You know, oftentimes wrestlers, athletes don't get enough credit sometimes for their deep thinking. Um, but they're just like the rest of us, right? They have kids. They grow up. They live. Um, and a lot of them, you know, have a lot of time to study interesting things. Thanks, Matt Hardy. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, finishing up here, 75 degrees now, getting a little cooler, but still feels like 77, Johnny. The wind's picked up a little bit, two miles an hour, so it is now 15 miles an hour out of the south. Uh, tomorrow on LNK Today, uh, they got Chaps, Morning Drive, and John Bishop on. We will have whatever Wednesday. I want to thank Justin Drahoda, who is running for uh, school board in the Norris District, for coming in today uh, before the election and kind of telling us his background and uh, how he got interested and um, and how his campaign's going, what his platform is. I mean, I think you see a lot of folks, uh, you know, standing up, um, wanting to participate in the schools. Interesting enough, Dakota, I see on the text line, um, I did find some information, so I will open tomorrow talking about uh, LPS and the map scores uh, and see if I can find the state. Yeah, I do want to be clear. I did do a show a while back. I talked about that other states had uh, 
hidden their map scores and their scores prior to the election and that I knew that our state's scores were coming in and that I hoped that our state would not do that. Play those silly games. There's no need to. Let's just see what the scores are. Um, and so, yes, in fact, they have come out and um, quick look. Um, Lincoln students, per the Journal Star, lost reading math skills, but not to the level of their national peers, officials say. So we've got the Journal Star, and I know we've done a story on KLIN as well. Um, So give me some time tomorrow to break down the numbers, take a look at it, and provide some thoughts. But, yeah, I've always said, teachers, it's a great profession, and we have great teachers here. Um, The issues I always have with schools have to do with bigger theory issues and age-appropriate things, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, kudos to our teachers in LPS and educators for keeping our kids growing. 1,499.3 KLI.